We monitor the Miles Bridges situation. We take a look at Jalen McDaniel's career high, and we look at some interesting offensive stats in Steve Clifford's first year. All today on Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Sweat Block. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweat Block. You can save 20% with promo code Locked On at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. Apparently, my dogs are a big fan of Sweat Block. I don't know if you could hear them barking, but they don't have sweat glands. They just pant. They might have pant block if they made a product like that, but it would work. There's a guarantee that it would work, and we'll tell you more about it later on in the show. Um, let's transition awkwardly from that read on Lockdown Hornets into the Miles Bridges situation here, Doug. Okay. Because there was the report we haven't talked about yet from Sham Sharani of The Athletic. He put out, I think it was a week and a half ago, something like that, that multiple teams were still monitoring the situation. That was the verbiage you'd, uh, used there. Uh, monitoring was the Lakers were were called out the Detroit Pistons were also among those teams but apparently several teams are monitoring the Miles Bridges situation and his conversations with Charlotte James Plowright of Sports Illustrated big shout to James big supporter of the Wes and Walker show when it launched that's why I love Hornet Twitter man James really appreciate you he wrote about Miles and Doug he thinks that it's really inevitable that the Hornets are going to bring miles back. And we're just not really sure what that figure is going to look like. He makes the case that a multi-year deal makes the most sense because if you just sign him for this year, then he's most likely going to be suspended for, I mean, maybe probably the entire season. And then he's just an unrestricted free agent again. If he goes to March, <clears throat> I'm flipping me again. If he goes to March, <laughs> this is just how it is. If he goes to March, then that qualifying offer would expire and then he would become an unrestricted free agent again. And then he could just be free to sign with whoever. Uh, there are a lot of angles here to attack with Miles Bridges. Like, I'm not I'm not sure what the figure is going to be. It's really hard to give a number to Miles because he's not going to be making the 30 million he was set to make before his felony domestic violence arrest. So. Uh, what do you think of the inevitability that James Plowright poses about Miles coming back to Charlotte? Well, let's talk about you know what we think monitoring means. Because uh, to me, I think monitoring means these teams are essentially just waiting on Adam Silver and the NBA to come down and say, all right, we've completed our investigation. Who knows how long that's going to take? But, but not completing the investigation is essentially a suspension. I mean, you're right. I mean, it's, it's miles missing games because all of the teams have – uh, not colluded necessarily, but uh, but are essentially going to wait until the NBA is done with the investigation and says this is how many games that they, they will filter down to the teams. This is how many games that Miles Bridges will have to miss at, at the moment that you put pen to paper. The suspension is going to come down, and so the calculation that I, I'm sure that the Lakers and Detroit that they're making is, you know, if this guy is going to be out a year. Is that something that we're willing to, you know, make a move on now, um, or or is it something we're willing to wait on? And, and what would that figure look like? Uh, unfortunately, 
Like, I don't think it's an inevitability, Walker. I don't know what you think. I mean, I, 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 I'm not willing to go there. I think that I'm preparing myself for the eventuality that the Charlotte Hornets uh, seeing an opportunity in the marketplace uh, and they know, you know, what Miles can bring them on the court, uh, seeing an opportunity to, to rehab his image and uh, get him back out on the court. I'm just preparing myself for that eventuality, but I don't know that it's necessarily inevitable. They have a choice here. Well, yeah, I I think it's likely. That's what I would guess. I don't know if you think it's likely. I don't know what word you would use. I, maybe inevitable seems strong. But the other thing is there could be a potential out for Miles Bridges if he doesn't want to play for the Hornets anymore. So if he doesn't want to play for him. In some weird way, this has actually given him leverage because now he could break away from Charlotte and he could go and possibly make more money elsewhere. Now, not more money than the $30 million he was set to make, right? There's no leverage monetarily based on what he was set to make before his arrest. But that's something unfortunate about this situation actually leading to something what you could view as good, right? If Miles and Charlotte don't agree to anything and Miles is kind of looking over at the Lakers organization and he wants to play with a possible LeBron Anthony Davis tandem next year, then is that something where he just doesn't agree to anything with Charlotte, the Hornets? I mean, maybe the Hornets at that point, does he just expose Charlotte for how desperate they are and say, all right, well, we will throw a lot more money at you. I just, you know, I, I really am interested in the figure about what, what what is Miles going to bring. And so when you talk about the word monitoring the situation, are other teams just kind of waiting for the other franchises to give up on their moralities too, or whatever might be there? Like, you know, lessen and lessen and lessen, and then to the point where, well, oh, okay, they're going to offer Miles $10 million a year. We can offer him twelve. Oh, they're going to offer him 12. Well, all right. I mean, what's what's 14? And it's just the classic little by little going up to the point where Miles is still going to recoup quite a bit. And it's going to be multi-year as James. That's a good point that he brings up, right? Just because no team is going to bring him in for just one year because you have to imagine the suspension is going to be significant for this season where I, I can't, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what his impact would be. Um, and so that's, it would be multi-year and then he'd be set to make his money after. Well, and the calculation that any team would make, including the Charlotte Hornets, would be that, you know, there, there's a subset of the fan base already that's ready to forgive Miles Bridges right now. And if he could start tomorrow um, with, with all of the injuries that this team has sustained and, and the hunger that there is from this fan base to win basketball games while LaMelo is still a member of this team, that they're willing to forgive him right now. And then there's another group of the fan base that's not ready to go there right now, but, at, but if he served a year's suspension after that suspension was over they would say well you know he he um uh took the no contest plea and then he served his punishment from the nba he's serving his punishment as part of this legal proceeding and so he deserves a second chance and is and is uh ready to play and then there'll be a uh, probably a smaller subset of the fan base that's just never going to forgive miles bridges and is never going to be comfortable seeing him play for the charlotte hornets or any organization uh but but they probably wouldn't be persuaded one way or the other by anything that that a team would would do necessarily i think why why you say it's likely I'm, I'm gonna guess and why James Plowright thinks it's an inevitability is because 
the Hornets have been very careful with this situation. They haven't done anything that would suggest that there's been a relationship breakdown between the teams. They, the two parties came together to mutually agree to, to drop the, uh, the, the qualifying offer. It, it, it didn't seem like there was much uh, sort of disagreement there. And then you've had several players, prominent players, LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, all expressed an, an interest in Miles Bridges returning to the team. Uh, so all of that would seem to set up, yeah, a, a likely uh, a meeting between these two parties, um, and and I don't I don't know I don't know what to say to fans uh, that that are going to be uncomfortable by by that um, I don't really know how how I'm going to like talk about him because here's the problem Walker yeah I I think that people in this position deserve second chances. But only if they express contrition, and I haven't, I haven't to this point, because of all of the legal proceedings, he was probably not in a position to do so. But, but at some point, don't we have to see something from Miles Bridges that resembles contrition? That says, "Hey, I made a mistake. There, there, there are problems that I didn't, I didn't deal with them in an appropriate way." But so far, we've got a no contest plea. He's accepted punishment, but is not not accepted that he committed the actual acts. Like in the punishment that he's serving right now, he doesn't have to admit that he did anything wrong. Uh, and so, you know, I think that would be an important next step in this whole process. Uh, but I'm. Uh, I'm doubtful that we're going to get that because the calculation that players and teams have made is that if you do all of the punishment stuff, then, then people will, will let you off the hook without any admission of guilt. No, this is something that Miles Bridges has to live with for the rest of his life. Now, in certain areas, he's not going to have to live with it as much. But Ray Rice is the example to go to because you go to Ray Rice and the elevator video drops and the NFL is hit by this media frenzy discussing why in the world has there not been a more severe punishment. And then, boom, you know, Ray Rice does get a punishment. And what Ray Rice has done has talked about how he has to live with that for the rest of his life. But Ray Rice also has gone around talking about the problems, the consequences, and the wrongdoing in domestic violence issues. And so where you can have some rehabilitation stories, it doesn't mean the fact that this is going to go with you wherever you go, how it sticks with you the rest of your life, you can still have some control on just how it is going to be a part of your life. But it is going to be there. And you're right about contrition needing to be there with Miles Bridges. Also, there needs to be some kind of punishment that serves as some form of A, deterrent, and B, something that matches what the actual offense is here. And that's why all eyes are going to be on Adam Silver in the NBA after this investigation is completed. Whatever they find, don't find, quote unquote, whatever you want to do there, is the punishment going to match what happened? And that's kind of a tricky question. So I know this, if you compare Miles Bridges suspension to some anti-drug program offenses that OJ Mayo violated and Tyreek Evans violated, and those guys were out for two years after perpetually violating the drug program, does that equal the one bout of felony domestic violence charge with Miles Bridges? Yeah. I mean, th- that's something Adam Silver is going to have to weigh. Maybe he doesn't. Well, 
we'll talk about it for a month and then we'll just all move on. That's kind of how time serves these issues anyway. Um, and maybe that's what Miles Bridges play is here. It probably is, you know, I mean, Tyreek Hill is a multiple offender in the NFL and he got four for, he got not four first round picks. Sorry. That's NBA trade stuff, but he got a lot. Uh, Miami gave up a lot to go get Tyreek, right? Like this is, and, and this is someone in Miles Bridges where, yeah, it's fresh, but if we give it a year's worth of time after the suspension, he comes back, we raise the story up just a little bit more. And then you get into 20 games into the season. And I mean, I I'm not naive to how this thing is going to go down the line. You know, we'll always remember it, but will it ever affect truly how the second contract will look like if miles comes back and balls, I mean, He's going to get well, thirty they, after that, and the salary caps. Let's keep. Let's, we 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 we've got to we got to go to the second segment. But let's. I, I've got a couple more thoughts on this, so let's let's take it to the yeah. next segment. All right, coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We'll talk more about the Miles Bridges situation, and we will have some happy stuff to talk about. Jalen McDaniels did have career high despite the drubbing they experienced against the Boston Celtics, but Jalen, at least, was performing pretty well. This episode is brought to you by Sweat Block. I told you a couple times I had an experience at a wedding where I had to wear the white button-up shirt. You get the deal. When you put the jacket on, when you have the under shirt underneath, right, you have three different shirts on. It's going to get sweaty. And you need to make sure that your deodorant or anything is stopping the perspiration. Because especially if it's a wedding where you're like, no people, of people, stuff like that. You don't want to make your first impression with sweaty pit stains. You just don't want that to happen. Sweat block can help you with that. Sweat block gives you the confidence to wear what you want without that embarrassing sweat. Sweat block wipes were featured and tested on the Rachel Ray show, by the way, by firefighters. And if you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, you can try sweat block and save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. More to come on locked on Hornets is locked on Hornets. But I have seen him go all That's the way up to number 10. That was, is there a warning? Do we I need to get trying, out of here? Okay, here's the thing. My, I don't know if you heard, but my watch went off, and I was trying to silence it, and then I accidentally hit ping the phone, and then the phone pinged, and, and now here we are. <laughs> I'm doing my best, man. It seems like you're doing your very worst. <laughs> well, sometimes... It seems like you're. I'm actively fighting you today to move to Sometimes move my best is my worst. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks for making Locked on Hornets your first listen today. Make your next listen Locked on Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports from beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked on can provide. Doug, you had some more thoughts on Miles Bridges. As we were discussing there, I was kind of talking a little bit about how Miles' time is going to help Miles because it helps a lot of people as far as the perception against him. It seemed like that was a jumping off point for what you might say. Well, I mean, I, I think there's this idea that, and I think James touched on it a little bit in his article, and I think this is how uh, some fans view the situation, which is like the the team has to be careful here that uh, they don't go ahead and offer him as much money as he was going to get before because that would be somehow yeah. like a PR nightmare for him to have gone through this entire process <laughs> and then get the same amount of money and then nothing changes. Uh, my my counter argument would be like what. 
at this point, with like the Deshaun Watson situation in Cleveland and what they're about to endure, I mean, and he's about to come back. Like what? What PR situation could they really not sustain at this point? I, I just don't like. I don't. I don't think that's in the calculations. Um, the calculation for the for the Charlotte Hornets in terms of Miles Bridges is going to be what other what other teams are willing to put up with it, and what dollar amount are they willing to put up with it at? Uh, I, I don't think that that's going to be any kind of PR considerations are going to be thought of at all. Uh, it's really like how long is the suspension going to be, and and how much of a discount can we get Miles Bridges at because of this situation yeah. because of other teams not willing to to go there with him and for him him having missed this much time already that that's the only consideration i don't think any of the legal stuff and, and any fan perception of this is going to matter and i feel i feel for fans who you know, don't want this to happen or or don't want to have to cheer for Miles Bridges. I don't really know what to tell you other than this is sports now. Uh, you, you know, Hugh Freeze is the coach of of Auburn now after everything that he went through at Liberty. Yeah. Deshaun Watson's about to be the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. And you really, I, to me, you kind of have to, you sort of have to detach and, and separate art from artist. And and figure out a way to maybe not celebrate what someone does, but understand that this is now a part of the the entire team success. I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting for us to talk about it. It's gonna be interesting for fans to cheer for it. Well, and there are some people saying preach to you. If it happens, even if they by don't the way, if it happens, you. I you know yeah. we're talking about it. It, it does feel inevitable. No. We're talking about it like it's inevitable. Oh no, we're talking about if it does. Like no, but but there are people celebrating what you just said with your last point, even if they completely disagree with you. The fact that we do have to detach the art from the artist. They're saying that's what I've been saying the whole time, even though if even if you're saying it in a completely different context, that we're we're coming from it with different enjoyment processes. Yeah, I'm saying it from a I'm saying it from a deep depressed uh, place of 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 complete resignation. Like my whole body just deflates and says, okay, well this. This is this is where we are now. I'm dealing in reality. Uh, This is not even I think people would listen to this and think that I'm like some hypocrite after everything that I've said previously. No, I believe everything that I said previously about Miles Bridges. I don't want to see him in a Charlotte Hornets uniform ever again. And I and I will stick with that. But I'm just dealing in reality and and what's in front of us uh, and, and how we're going to react to that. Well, that leads to a point I've talked about a, a quite a bit, and I remember a conversation on the Levitard show, which you and I are both huge fans of, and this was during the Kareem Hunt thing, where Kareem Hunt is in the in the hotel, I think, you know, the lobby or wherever, and he's on video kicking a woman when she's on the ground, and the Kansas City Chiefs decide to release Kareem Hunt, who was an awesome running back, and still is a very good one, but then he was one of the rookie scale contract running back guys that was performing extremely well. And the conversation Dan was having was, okay, if you're the Kansas city chiefs and you release Kareem hunt, somebody just rolls right in. They pick up what is a crazy good running back in Kareem hunt. And they're going to, you know, reap the benefits of all of the football playing that he can provide for the Cleveland Browns. 
and nobody's been talking about Kareem like that. They they would only bring it up and bring it up in passing when the Browns would offend again by signing Deshaun Watson to a record quarterback deal, which is hilarious, ridiculous, and hilarious for all the wrong reasons. Like it, it's if you are a franchise that releases said talented player then you don't want to see that other team go get them and then just not have to deal with the fallout. You know, like there, there's a little bit of a difference. Kansas city is a little bit different than Cleveland. Charlotte will be different than any other franchise because the original team is going to have to carry some of that burden, quote unquote, whatever that may mean to having that, the, the media backlash. But at the same time, if you weather the storm, which teams have done before, you can get out of this and you can just, you know, continue to win, continue to kind of happen what kind of have happened what you were hoping for, which is, you know, a good basketball player maybe playing for you, a good football player playing for you. So if you're and if you're an NFL owner, you just come out immediately and say, hey, man, look, all I care about is winning. OK, Miles, he that was a legal process. It's all good. They figured it out. I don't care. Right. I care about winning and I'm going to bring Miles here. I, that's if we're detaching the art from the artist, the owner is just doing it blatantly. So, and it would feel really dirty at the same time. It would be the same type of same type of idea, detaching art from the artist, detaching play from the player, like, or, you know, detaching offense from the player and then keeping that off of the court. Yeah. It's really well, tough. All, all I can hope is from the NBA's perspective, you know, that, that, that they understand that punishment is priority. If the priority is to get domestic violence out of the league, then the punishment needs to reflect that and needs to be an actual deterrent. For example, when we talked about all of the James Book Knight driving under the influence stuff, when you look at the punishment for that, it's two games. And typically it's not even the team that the player is currently playing for when he gets the charge of driving under the influence that has to actually take the penalty because the adjudication process is such that the, the, the player ends up floating out of that team anyway. And the other, the team that picks that player up ends up taking the punishment. But the punishment is so light that it's not really a deterrent and that's why we keep seeing players get popped for driving under the end well it's part of the reason i think because it's not a deterrent and and the nba has been just fortunate thus far that that a player driving under the influence hasn't killed someone like we've seen in the nfl where the punishments are more severe because the nfl has made it a priority because players are driving on the influence and killing people they they have made it a priority to get that out of the league. Um, well, so hopefully and, the NBA yeah. takes this seriously as well because domestic violence leads to deaths. Like, they, you, you know, they, they need to take that seriously too. Well, the other thing, just real quickly with the NFL thing, they let the legal process play out and Henry Ruggs is in deep trouble legally <laughs> like that. That's the thing with Henry. So the NFL actually, yes, the NFL is wants it out. But it's not the NFL really making that decision on Henry Ruggs. It's the legal system. They're like, oh, what this person killed someone driving drunk and going incredibly, incredibly fast. And so they're taking care of it. And the NFL, I don't even know what the NFL has done. I know the Raiders, I think, released him, and that's it. You know, like so, you know, we can look that up even more so. But yeah, that's that to the point, right? When it gives it almost gives credence to letting the legal process play out. The legal process played out with Henry Ruggs. Very different situation, but still, it's it's a problem. They let it play out. Henry's not going to be playing in the NFL right now. And Miles Bridges, they let it play out. Pled no contest. 
and the NBA will have its own investigation. I'm so, thinking of Dante Stallworth when when he got his DUI manslaughter and they suspended him for the entire. Oh, okay. Whoo, yeah, very, yeah, a lot further down the line. <laughs> you know, that's I I didn't expect that, but you're right. I guess that means there's multiple incidents. Um, okay. Do you want to talk Jalen now, or do you want to talk Jalen on the other side along Let's with Steve? Let's do Clifford? it. On the other side. <laughs> Coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We'll get to Jalen's career night against Boston. And Doug does have some interesting numbers to look at regarding Steve Clifford's first stint and how they performed on the offensive end. So stay tuned for some of those impressive numbers or just really interesting numbers from Steve Clifford. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. So we all know ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online, right? But here's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Maybe you've run out of stuff to watch here and you don't want to watch anything else on Netflix anymore or really any other streaming service. This is the thing that can change your streaming world. Not just Netflix, right? ExpressVPN, it works with any streaming service like Hulu, BBC, iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there. But the reason you can use ExpressVPN to watch shows is because because it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering. There's never any lag. You can stream in HD, no problem. Express VPN. It works on all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and plenty more. So you can watch what you want on the big screen, or you can watch what you want on the go. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, go to expressvpn.com slash locked on right now, and you can get an extra three months of Express VPN for free. That's Express VPN dot com slash locked on express vpn.com slash locked on to learn more plenty more to come on locked on hornets is locked on hornets they're running their rookies to greensboro they're driving them to greensboro and then driving them back the same day to play in an nba game i cannot <laughs> wait until the hornets load manage it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast Sorry, Jalen. Had to take a back seat for some other stuff we were talking about. But Jalen McDaniels well, did have you know, we haven't talked about this stuff in a, in a while, so hopefully, hopefully people listen yeah. and will let us off the hook a little bit. Duh. Usually I'm the naive one. <laughs> they're not they're not gonna do that. Um, all right, let's talk about Jalen McDaniels a little bit. He did score twenty-four points against the Boston Celtics. It was a career high for him. I believe his previous career high was twenty-one against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Jalen has been a Steve Clifford guy, right? I've talked about how we tried to figure out who Clifford would show favoritism for uh, towards or just because he just fit the bill of what Clifford wants as a basketball player. I thought JT Thor was going to be that guy. The more Thor movement has been pretty quiet because JT is just completely out of the rotation. He was getting like eight minutes, seven minutes here and there, and now he's completely out. Those minutes have gone to Kai Jones, and Kai Jones has even logged some more runs since he posted some of those seven, eight-minute runs. I did not expect James Booknight to be a Steve Clifford guy, but he was at the beginning. Injuries have allowed that to happen, but also Clifford seemed even what he was talking about in the offseason. He was always going to give James Booknight 
an opportunity at the beginning of the year. I always thought Jalen was going to be that player, and that's served to be true. Steve Clifford has glowing things to say about what Jalen has done. He starts in place of Gordon Hayward, and we've seen Gordon Hayward injured quite a few times already. So 9 of 12 from the field in 30 minutes, 4 of 6 from 3. Um, this is not consistently what he's doing. It's a career high for a reason. But I do think Jalen McDaniels has been pretty good this year. Got off to a real hot start. What did you make of Jalen McDaniels' first 21 games, Doug? Uh, so, you know, it's been up and down offensively, but the reason he's been a Steve Clifford guy has been uh, the defensive versatility. Uh, he has been the cliche, the Swiss Army knife on the defensive end of the floor. I don't know. Do people still hold like Swiss Army knives? Do they still own those? Do we need we need a new cliche? I feel like I have can do it all. I have one, but I don't know where it is. And I think that's probably the experience of most people. I'm sure everybody has one, but you just have no clue where it is. It's out in the shed somewhere. It's in a storage it's box. Always, you haven't looked at it's it always five in years. A shed. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you had it at like 10 years old and you just can't quite give it up. You're going to give it to your kid for him to put in his shed once he reaches 25 years old. That's right. Um, but so when you look at his defensive matchups, uh, almost th- it's almost split down the line. Almost 30% has been against shooting guards, 30% against small Beautiful. forwards, 30% against power forwards. He's been able to, you know, Clifford has been able to use and trust Jalen McDaniels on the defensive end of the floor on all of those positions. So he gives your defense a little bit of switchability. And this team doesn't have a lot of those type of players. You really are kind of locked in and you're, and this team deals with a lot of match up difficulty up front like you're trying to hide some of the issues that you've got up front at the guard position uh, when you've got Terry and LaMelo on the floor at the same time which they've had very little of this season but will be something they have to figure out moving on down the line having someone like Jalen on the defensive end is is super critical if he can get his three three ball locked in like he can be a super effective player without the three-point shot which started off super hot and then went super super cold it's starting to come back a little bit if that does you know he can be a a serious impact player yeah and I think defensively it it, as you just mentioned that versatility it does warrant playing him just as many minutes as he's logging right now I'm looking up his stats because the three-point shot even at 38 percent if it stays there the rest of the year 37 and a half to be exact it was on the same mark that he shot last season last year beyond the arc he shot 38 And he shot two attempts per game. He's actually up to that to 3.4. But the two-point percentage, that's what's down for Jalen McDaniels. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just not finishing at the rim a little bit more. 48.5% from two as it currently stands. Last year, he shot 56.2. This is his fourth year in the league. He is averaging 9.7. So I think that's something minor that will allow him to experience something greater, right? So the offensively, I think that's what we're kind of looking at. Speaking of the offensive part of the Charlotte Hornets. I wanted to do a Steve Clifford check. I feel like a few people have used the first 20 games, 21 games of this Hornet season as an indictment on Steve Clifford's coaching. And they've used these last 21 games to say it proves that James Brago was not the problem. You know, I don't know if we have any answer to that right now. The injuries are crazy. James Brago had LaMelo Ball the first 21 games of last year, and Steve Clifford has had LaMelo Ball, what, two and a half, or I guess almost three? Um, that's it. And he also hasn't had Gordon Hayward. I think he had Gordon Hayward the first 20 games of last season, you know? So for me, 
it's it's James Brago. I had my my things that I didn't like about what he was doing with the Hornets. I don't think there's any kind of. I'm not saying there, there's no sweeping statement you can make based off of what you've seen so far this year. Now, when we were looking this up, you found some interesting offensive numbers, Doug. What do you make of the JB? You know, defenders out there after watching what Steve Clifford has done, and then what you've seen from him in the last two stints now here in Charlotte. Well, I don't think we have enough evidence offensively because of all of the injuries to really make that determination about Steve Clifford, you know, having broken an offense that was uh, almost top five in the league last season at, you know, according to cleaning the glass, it was top, it was six in the league at 114.8 points per possession. That's dropped to 106.4 points per possession. They are dead last in the league in both points per possession and effective field goal percentage, but they've been missing so much of what made that offense last season hum. Uh, obviously, you know, it's it, it, the obvious thing is LaMelo Ball, but also you have to remember like Cody Martin's ascension as a three point shooter last season was also critical. Cody Martin's ability to steal the basketball and get the men to transition and get easy points that was essential to making this offense go. Miles Bridges' absence obviously was a, was a big boon, boost to this offense that they lost um, in the offseason. So, yeah, I mean, there was obviously going to be some regression, and then the injuries. Um, have really have really tanked it. So I don't think we have enough evidence until players return uh, that there are serious issues with Clifford and the offense. Now, if you look back to his first stint with the Charlotte Hornets slash Bobcats, he took a Bobcats organization that was in the bottom five in the league offensively uh, every year except for two seasons, 07, 08, and 09, 010. And 10. Wait, oh, I'm sorry. Is that is that right? Every year of the Bobcats' existence, they were bottom five offensively except for I'll read two it to you. seasons. Ready? These are the rankings according to Cleaning the Glass. Points per possession, 28, 28, 25, 22, that was 0708. That was when Jason Richardson came. Uh, 27. <laughs> then 23. That was the 0910 playoff season. Uh, 25th, 30th, and 11 12. Uh, and then I think, yeah, that was the uh, that was when they right. were 30th in defense and offense. That was the 7 and, and uh, 59 <laughs> year. And then um, 28, 24, and 13 14. So that was the first playoff with Kimba and Jefferson. And then 14, 15, they were 28th in offense. So he takes that and turns, oh, um, it yeah. in, and turns it into a top 10 offense in 15, 16 when they go to the playoffs as the Charlotte Hornets at 107.6. All right, remember that. They were ninth in offense at 107.6. Last season, they were sixth in offense, only three spots higher, but they were 114.8 points per possession. Teams are scoring more points. The game is faster. And the big question with Clifford coming in was, could he adjust to that? Could could he take an offense that was high octane and keep it high octane in order to keep pace with the rest of the league? So far, the answer's been no, but you have to look at the context. Oh, yeah, you don't. Yeah, that LaMelo, I don't think it's it. I would like to look at those three games that LaMelo played, right? So those three games that LaMelo actually played in, the offense... I don't think it was a coincidence looked a lot better. It looked a lot better in the half court. And then again, you know, this is where you just no no team is going to be a hundred percent healthy all the time. So I'm not trying to, I'm not asking for unrealistic goals. I'm just asking for not the worst injury luck ever to happen to the Charlotte Hornets to start a season. That's it's what I'm been, asking. It's for. been ridiculously bad. And I, and I think, you know, it's funny. Um, 
when you looked at the injury report for this last game, Walker, I imagine so many people across the NBA that came upon this injury report looked at that and went, oh, yeah, these guys are definitely tanking. And all the Hornets fans that are actually in the know are going, no, we're not. That's the thing. They're trying to win basketball games and they can't because the injuries keep happening. We're not even trying. I think someone posted on our YouTube, the Hornets aren't tanking. They're just really good at losing. Well, I yeah. mean, there's part part true, but also they're really good at getting injured. And that's, you know, been a, been a story yeah, if, of the season. If, if you have two injuries at all times, let's just give them two and let's, you know, interchange that with Cody and whoever. They don't have only six wins on the season. They have more than that. Their record is better, but but you don't because you had just had five guys that were out of the Celtics game. You started off with Cody playing. I mean, Cody Martin might have played 30 seconds before he had to exit that game. You know, LaMelo wasn't good to go because of his preseason injury. Terry Rozier played four to start the season, and then he was done. Gordon Hayward has a broken shoulder, and his wife is telling you all about it. So, like, this is what this is what it is in a Hornets land with all the injuries. Well, One more and, point and to, we, also, yeah, to Clifford's credit, I think now the number, just the raw numbers on the defensive end in terms of points per possession and effective field goal percentage allowed, like those numbers are pretty close to what they were last season. But I think they've been skewed by a few blowouts early in the season. You know, we've had obviously had the blowout in Boston. There was one in Memphis. But if you look over, and again, with all of the injuries, and even with DSJ being out against Minnesota, Philly, and Washington, those previous three games before the Boston blowout, I mean, they held they held Washington to 106, uh, Philadelphia to 100 points per possession, Minnesota to 101 points per possession. Minnesota has a, a really good offense. So, like, he's made this team much more active and responsible defensively uh, than, than they were last season. When, <laughs> so they gave up. I, I was looking at uh, this Boston game, and I thought they were about to give up the most points in franchise history, which would have been 146 was the record. And then I was looking you know, at that list of games where they had given up the most points all time, and I noticed that two of them happened in April of this year, which was the end of last season. Within three days of each other, at the very end of last season, the Hornets gave up 144 points twice in three days. I don't know how we were surprised that they got bounced in that play-in game when there was just no responsibility on defense. They're much more responsible this year, and you have to credit Clifford on that. Yeah. All right. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard, go behind the scenes with local experts and insights. Only Locked On can provide Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Sam Purley, we're debuting a new segment, Purley Riser. Early, early, early. Tomorrow. <laughs> Have a great rest of your day. 